What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, two CEOs of two large American companies tackle justice from inside the corner office. Marriott's CEO Arnie Sorensen on the importance of leaders working together for change. It is not just a question about what we at Marriott do, but to recognize that what any individual company can do is simply not enough. And why the head of the world's largest hotel company is speaking up now. We'll not let up on this. I think our uh, employee base is demand it. I think society demands it. Bank of America's Brian Moynihan on the bank's $1 billion pledge to address inequality. We thought instead of just talking, it's time to put up the money and we are doubling down on our efforts. And he says it's more than a press release. Things aren't going to quiet down. They shouldn't quiet down on terms of making the economic progress in the, in the core social progress we need to make here. It's Thursday, June 4th, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Cronin and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Marriott CEO Arnie Sorensen addressing the recent events surrounding race in this country and in his company in a recent LinkedIn post saying, for many years, I've tried to use my perch at Marriott to advocate for opportunity for all, regardless of race, gender, nationality, or any other point of human difference. Each person deserves to be recognized for who we are and respected for both our common humanity and the distinct qualities that make us unique. Joining us right now is Arnie Sorensen. He is the CEO of Marriott International. And, and Arnie, it's great to see you. Thanks for being with us today. Thank, thank you, Becky. Good to see you, too. I want to set this against the the proper backdrop. Obviously, uh, the last several months have been incredibly difficult for everybody in the travel and leisure industry. You are a a global company. You've got more than 7,000 properties in 131 different countries. So you've been watching the arc of this uh, as it all takes place. You've had to close properties. You've had to furlough employees. Where are we right now? How many of your properties are actually still shuttered? How many um, employees have you had to furlough? How many have you been able to bring back? Well, lots, lots of questions there. Of course, the uh, impact of uh, COVID-19 has been profound on our business. We have seen, by revenue, uh, sales at our hotels drop by 90% uh, globally, starting, of course, first in China, but then moving around the world as we got into March. Uh, at our uh, low point, we had about 2,000 out of 7,500 hotels that were closed around the world. We've uh, probably reopened three to 400 of those. I think when we look at uh, even in the United States, we see the early signs of recovery, although we've gone from something like minus 90 percent revenue to something like minus 80 percent revenue. So while that in percentage terms, if you think about it from the bottom is up 100 percent, it is uh, still a long, long where we were before. And we suspect it's going to be a a slow uh, climb back to the levels we had in 2019. So that that sets the backdrop for for what a difficult several months it's been already and and how much you have on your plate, how much your employees are are kind of uh, watching this and and, and not knowing what's happening on either. Then you have the civil unrest and the riots that have taken place, and that adds to it. So as a leader, 
What did this mean? Um, what are you able to do? What are you hearing from your employee base? Well, this is obviously a uh, just the latest reminder in a uh, frustratingly long uh, challenge on criminal justice, uh, particularly for, for blacks in our urban cities in the United States, uh, where there is uh, unfairness that is profound. Uh, and uh, I suppose the only thing that uh, is what positive about this is the availability of cell phones and the fact that we can see the outrageous behavior that uh, obviously uh, killed George Floyd in Minneapolis uh, allows us, I think, to sometimes put aside the, the um, search for ambiguity uh, and instead say this is uh, profoundly unacceptable. Uh, and uh, start to turn the corner and say, okay, now what is it that we can do about it? Uh, what I blogged about uh, this weekend, of course, was uh, was quite personal. I woke up Saturday morning and, and uh, had this on my mind, as everybody did, and I uh, thought this was something we should communicate about. I'm obviously not a black leader in uh, the business community in the United States, uh, but uh, we have a very diverse work group and, and wanted to communicate with them. I think the more I think about it, it is not just a question about what we at Marriott do, which is really the focus of my blog, but to recognize that what any individual company can do is simply not enough. Uh, we've got to find a way to uh, make dramatically more uh, progress in uh, this space than any single company can do. What does that translate into in real terms, Arnie? Well, I, I, the conversations um, are, are underway in a number of different organizations. So the VRT, for example, is, is uh, talking about this uh, real time as we speak. Um, I think many of us are, are using our networks of folks both inside and outside our companies to uh, talk about places we can make a difference. But I think I think can and must each of us do what we can with our workforces and with our partnerships in the communities where we do business. But I think that we can band together also through outfits like the BRT and recognize that we've got to work on uh, criminal justice issues, which an individual company can't do. But probably banding together and advocating policies around criminal justice, around educational opportunity, around access to health care, around access to financial resources. These are four big areas that uh, I think uh, collectively we can push for not just what can we do as companies, but what can we uh, imp help implement in the policy space uh, to, to uh, hopefully put this outrageous behavior behind us. You, you say that these are real-time conversations that are happening with, with you and your peers at the business roundtable. Um, how quickly do you think that this is something that can can translate into action? We, we had Randall Stevenson, a, a former head of the business roundtable, on earlier this week. And he said that, look, when any of these big companies kind of put their mind to it, they, they can have a significant amount of say in, in policy in Washington, and that we've seen it happen time and time again uh, for issues that are, are near and dear to any of these individual companies' hearts or that make a real difference for its business. Business doesn't work. Free markets don't work in an environment where a large class of our people are perceiving and experiencing injustice. And so we have an imperative to, to begin to use our, our muscle and our influence to begin to affect policy change to address this. Do you think that this is something where this is a moment that all of these companies are going to stick with this and say that this is a, a an agenda that has to be carried out? I, I do. I, I do. And, I, and, and again, by, by suggesting for a second that uh, BRT ought to band together and use its force together, I'm not trying to excuse the conduct that any individual company will, will do. We will 
continue to be very active in this space as Myriad. But I think uh, collectively our voice will be that much louder. And I think the BRT and other organizations will move very quickly and will not let up on this. Uh, I think our uh, employee bases demand it. Uh, I think society demands it. Uh, I think fundamental aspects of, uh, of fairness uh, and uh, the, the importance of opportunity uh, demands it. Uh, and uh, I think as a consequence, this, this event, um, you know, I, I don't know whether you had a chance to see President Obama late yesterday afternoon, but, but one of the things that I found so encouraging was to hear his hopefulness. Uh, and um, we, we need that hopefulness. We need to take the uh, outrage and the anger, but we need to marry it with hopefulness and say, okay, we can make a difference here. Uh, and let's uh, marshal our resources. Let's marshal our voices Arnie, to make that happen. Arnie, um, let me ask you, and it's a question I've raised on, on this program the past several days. Do you think that the BRT, ultimately, if that's how this uh, is going to work, will and should advocate not just on these issues, but directly on behalf of certain politicians um, for and against that are for the policies that you are advocating for. And the reason I ask that, and I'm going to try to ask this in the most apolitical way, the same people who were very helpful in terms of lowering corporate taxes in America are absolutely against things like affordable, uh, the Affordable Health Care Act, which, of course, helps the people in the, the, the lowest levels and often at, at the lowest levels in our economy and often people who are black and brown. Yeah, and so so let me uh, let, let me uh, I guess answer it this way. Um, I, I'm obviously not a spokesperson for the business roundtable. Um, I think the business roundtable will come out and uh, quite soon talk about uh, work that will be done in this space. I do chair the business roundtable's task force on healthcare, and I'm quite convinced, based on the work that we've done before, that the business roundtable will continue to speak out in favor of uh, access for all Americans to healthcare. Uh, and uh, that obviously gets wrapped into the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. And, and there are uh, different political voices at times which are either using that as a symbol to attack or a symbol to defend. Um, let, let's stay away from this most superficial symbolism of this and go to the most important fundamental aspect of this. And that is that everybody in the United States deserves access to health care, period. Uh, and the Business Roundtable members, I think, overwhelmingly uh, agree with that notion and will advocate for it. Hey, Arnie, we really appreciate your time today. I know this is an issue that you're following up on that and also the coronavirus response from the Business Roundtable. We'll have you back very soon to talk about all of it. Um, but thank you for your time today. It's good to see you. you bet. Good to see you both. Thank you. Next on Squawk Pod, Bank of America's CEO Brian Moynihan on fighting inequality from the C-suite. We should not let it quiet down as a business community. We have to redouble our efforts to make the progress so it doesn't occur, not quiet down. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com.
Protesters gathered in major cities across the country for another day yesterday, in many locations cheering the additional charges brought against Minneapolis police officers regarding the death of George Floyd. New York City saw its first curfew in 75 years earlier this week, the city's first since World War II, February 1945, to be exact, if you want a short history lesson, Franklin Roosevelt was president. The Allied forces had just bombed Germany, and the United States was facing a coal shortage. These latest protests come at a time when businesses are looking to reopen after months of coronavirus-induced lockdowns. On Tuesday, Bank of America announced a $1 billion commitment over the next four years to help local communities address economic and racial inequality, especially in areas hardest hit by the coronavirus pandemic. The funding will be appropriated for initiatives including virus testing, flu vaccine clinics, and support for minority-owned small businesses, investment for affordable housing, and inside the bank itself, recruitment and retention of staff from low- to moderate-income communities. Bank of America Chairman and CEO Brian Moynihan joined us. Here's Becky Quick. I just wonder if you could talk a little bit more about why you're doing this right now. So, Becky, uh, thank you for having me on, uh, first of all. Um, you know, these, why are we doing this now? We're doing this now because, one, these, you know, the horrible deaths that occurred um, uh, just have incited an anger in our teammates and a worry uh, in our t- teammates. So they obviously wanted them to condemn these uh, actions, but also they want us to do something about it. And the same thing happened in our communities. And as you know, we take it with the healthcare crisis and other things, we've taken a community-centric, customer-centric, teammate-centric approach. This is consistent with that. It's how we run the company. But the reason for now is you're seeing that uh, two things come together. One is the you know, long-held issues about opportunity and economic mobility and things that have produced that ha- just have to be solved faster in this country. And on the other side, you see a healthcare crisis that affects those communities in a ad- more adverse way than it's affecting the broader society. And we thought instead of just talking, it's time to put up the money, and we are doubling down on our efforts to help drive success in this area. How, how will the money be used? I know it's it's over four years, and it's going to be used in some of the communities where you're already putting money to work. What what kind of infrastructure do you have built right now, and what, what will these new funds allow you to do? You know, we've been doing a lot of great things. So if you take an example like housing, we do $5 billion a year in financing for low and moderate and community housing uh, across the country. The difference with this in housing specifically is there's money that's needed that's more uh, equity, the harder money to find. And so in the case of Charlotte, for example, we recently uh, we put money, we put land in, we owned, we put equity in, and that was able to be leveraged along with other CEOs in Charlotte who also committed money, some of the financial institutions and, and others, that we end up raising a quarter billion dollars to build extra housing. So in a case of housing, it's going to be the tougher money, the money that's uh, further down the capital and, and help builds it and also brings expertise. And so we have worldwide expertise in doing this. And in Charlotte, we open an office for some of the nonprofits we work with so they could help drive it. To go to healthcare, recently we did a million dollars to testing support for Howard University Hospital. And the idea was they needed the money to conduct tests in the, in the poorer communities in a tougher, uh, uh, with a tougher number of cases coming up, and they wanted to test, and so they needed money to conduct those tests. So we did a million-dollar contribution. So on the health care will be that type of thing, which will be testing, contact tracing, uh, you know, clinics and other things that we can do to help with the health care crisis, but on housing on the other end. So it's housing, job skilling, health care crisis, and also uh, support to small businesses, importantly. 
Brian, when you talk about this money that's going into housing, is that money to build housing or is that money to, to finance loans that, that normally would not be approved or that would have very high interest rates? How does it work? This is to build housing and, to ha- and have good, uh, affordable workforce housing. But it's the, the difference is there's a, there's a large infrastructure that builds housing developers and other types of things. But the question is, where do you get the equity and sometimes where you get the seed money and where do you get the expertise money? And that's what we think about in housing. So in the case of Charlotte, if we looked at our opportunity task force, and a lot of this work, uh, aside from the current health care crisis, goes back to the to the work that we've been doing over the years around opportunity, around economic mobility. There's a fellow named Raj Chetty, I think you had on your show, and Chetty and Friedman and others have been studying this. And unfortunately, our home headquarters city was uh, the last out of 50. And so a group of uh, business community and other uh, politicians and others got together and studied it. And one of the outcomes was the, the lack of affordable and workforce housing. And so the group of CEOs have been building that. The idea is to double down and triple down on these programs and speed them up. And on the other side, as we look at opportunities around education, so it's reskilling people. So we hired 10,000 people from low and moderate income communities over the last few years with just a commitment to bring them into our company to work in the communities we serve. We also work with community colleges and others in high schools to start developing programs with a group of CEOs. I think the key to this is this is the money that's harder to find in all these different program areas. But I think the programs we have seen across the country that are provable just need more money now to create more opportunity and more mobility, and that over the long term will help solve these issues. It won't solve some of the criminal justice issues and things like that, but it'll solve the underlying economic issues. I think all of us look at the events and what's been happening, and we want an instant fix, an instant solution. But the, the solutions you're talking about are, are things that really take time and, and will play out over a number of years. Um, how do you make sure that when things quiet down, when you know the streets are quieter, when when businesses open up again, that, that that focus isn't lost? Well, that goes back to how we think about uh, the company in terms of we believe our company is a place where our team can have conversations and, do, and talk about things about that are going on in society and affecting them as individuals. They can bring their whole self to work and be who they are. One of the other areas that we're pushing is to take that, that, that kind of openness and conversations and dialogue and, and try to scale it across inside our company, it's, it's exist and outside the company. Things aren't going to quiet down. They shouldn't quiet down on terms of making the economic progress in the, in the core social progress we need to make here. If you go back 50 years ago when the United States was uh, in very tough circumstances around these similar issues, it's 50 years later, there's twice as many people working. There's, the United States has made great progress, but still we haven't fixed some of these issues, and it's time to fix them. So we can't let it quiet down on this. We have to keep pushing and that by doubling down our efforts, we'll make a lot more money available. And I'm sure other companies, because companies believe that they have to be part of the solution, will help do this and wind up with more money working faster across proven programs across the country. But I, I just don't want to leave you the thought that this is going to quiet down. It shouldn't quiet down. We, we should not let it quiet down as a business community. We have to double, redouble our efforts to make the progress so it doesn't occur, not quiet down. Brian, you mentioned at the top that, that you had heard a lot of anger from your employees. What, what have you heard? Who have you talked to? What, what kind of things have you heard back? Well, we have formal and informal mechanisms, everybody in the company. Uh, my email address is available, and they send me notes and, about their feelings. And, you know, then we have the form, more, more formalized mechanisms of our, our diversity inclusion networks and groups of uh, teammates and Hispanic and African-American groups to come forward. And this program was in development, frankly, for a year with those uh, 
with those leaders across our company, uh, representing our company and our communities of color, saying, you know, we need, we just need to do more here. And then, lo and behold, we have a healthcare crisis that affects those communities worse, and then we have these tragic circumstances around these deaths and, and the and the fact that these have occurred, you know, multiple times over the last few years, including in Charlotte a few years ago. If you remember, we had a similar incident. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was those teammates had helped form this process. You know, it was going along, but then we said we have to hit it, and we frankly doubled the money that they were, at, that they were suggesting along with our NCAC, which is our community advisory group, which is some of the leaders in these issues across the country. We just doubled it up because, and so it comes informal by them having formal input on processes and how we think about we, how we deploy our resources along these dimensions, but it comes informally. A lot of notes from people saying, I'm angry, I'm, I'm fearful, and, you know, I, I like the fact that work, I feel safe, but I don't feel safe in my community, and are we going to say something, and are we going to do something? And that's what, you know, what I think CEOs are, it's incumbent upon CEOs to do, is to not only say something, but do something, and this is the doubling, tripling of our efforts to do something. How many employees do you have, and, and they all have your email address to reach out? Everybody, so is everybody in the United States. It's everybody uh, in the world. It's my emails in the public domain. So I have 209,000. And, you know, believe me, after we announced uh, the initiative yesterday, they came back and are, are thankful that we're not only saying something condemning the, you know, the issues, of the, the, the tragic deaths and things like that, but we're doing something. And I think that's, that's the thing. You know, if you go all the way back to our conversations at Davos uh, over the years and even the last time we were together, which seems like forever ago, but... You know, the conversation is about companies need to serve their stakeholders, all the stakeholders, and they need to deliver both the profits for their shareholders, the experience for their customers, experience for their teammates, and for the communities. But they also have to deliver society for society at large. And, you know, we run the company to do what we call the genius of the end, to be able to deliver for our core stakeholders and society at large. And, and this is part of that. And so it's very consistent with how we run the company, how you and I have talked about it across the years. And, and, you know, and so that they're coming at us saying, you know, let's put our money where our mouth is. And, you know, with Anfinuk and the team, we designed a program that we think will have meaningful impact. And it's not enough money. We need a lot more money from a lot of other people, but it is a meaningful change in the, the trajectory of what we were doing in health, jobs, training, skilling, and uh, small businesses and housing. Brian, thank you for your time and thank you for your leadership on this. We, we really appreciate talking to you today. Uh, thank you, Becky, and thank you for uh, continuing dialogue on these issues with, with our company, Bank of America, and the CEOs generally. So keep pushing us. we we got to help here because capital isn't the way to solve some of these problems. Thank you. Squawk Pod will be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, No one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com methane.
That's the show for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. And to get the best of our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.